The Orioles got another series win over the weekend and continued their lead in the AL East, but it didn't come without a cost, as they may have lost Felix Bautista for the season and even longer. I'll recap the Orioles' series win over the Rockies, coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, August 28th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles series win over the weekend against the Rockies as they took two out of three from Colorado and remain two games ahead of the Rays in the American League East. I'll get you the five things you need to know from Friday's victory, including Ryan, excuse me, Ryan Mountcastle's big hit and Gunnar Henderson's big home run and Felix Bautista's injury. Then we'll talk about Saturday's 5-4 victory with Kyle Bradish pitching well again and the bullpen stepping up in Felix's absence. And finally, we'll recap the Sunday loss with the big swing from Ryan O'Hearn and then just some bad batted ball luck for the O's in the ninth inning. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms, and we're right here on YouTube. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. Thank you to everyone out there who's been an everydayer, been with the podcast here, or if you're just finding the pod here over the last couple of weeks, always playing some great baseball, getting towards September. It's going to be a fun ride on the pod. Again, we are the only daily Orioles podcast out there covering the major league team. So make sure you stay here for the Locked On Orioles podcast. Now, a little programming note for the week. I will be back tomorrow with another episode. We'll be recapping game one between the Orioles and the White Sox. That series kicking off tonight. I will also be talking a little further about the Felix Bautista injury, what the severity could be, and how the Orioles will manage the bullpen without him down the stretch. But then we will have no episode Wednesday. So taking one day off this week, I will be out of town for a day there, so no episode Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, and then back Thursday to recap the White Sox series, and then back Friday to talk about roster expansion and get you ready for the Orioles' next weekend series coming up against the Diamondbacks. But that's a little programming note. Let's get back to today's episode and this weekend's series. As the Orioles win two out of three against the Colorado Rockies, winning another series, and of course, continuing their streak now to 81 consecutive series without being swept. They had a chance to sweep the Rockies, no doubt about it. Ended up losing the Sunday game. Got a 5-4 win on Friday, 5-4 win on Saturday, then lost 4-3 on Sunday. End up taking two out of three. Now the Yankees... Gave the O's some help on Friday night. Yankees won 6-2 over the Rays Friday, but then couldn't help them out pretty much at all. The rest of the weekend blew a lead Sunday, and so the Rays did take two out of three from New York at the Trop, so the Orioles' lead remains the same. Two games up over the Rays in first place in the East, the same it was the last time I talked to you back on Friday before these weekend series. The Orioles... Winning two out of three did do one cool thing, which is guarantee they won't have a losing record this year. Not that we thought they would, but after winning two out of three, the Orioles now 81-49 and 49 on the season. Just 32 games remaining for the O's 
trying to hold on to this two-game lead. So let me start with Friday night's game, getting you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 5-4 to four win over the Rockies on Friday night. The first thing you need to know is Gunnar Henderson came through with some Orioles magic in that game on Friday night. O's were trailing, trying to crawl back. Austin Hayes works a walk in the eighth inning with one out. Brent Suter, the left-hander, is on the mound for the Rockies, who's really had a great year, sub-3 ERA for Colorado for the veteran and Henderson steps up there and, listen, you know, he's had some success against lefties this year. But, obviously, if you're an opposing team, you want to throw a left-hander against Gunnar Henderson. He mashes righties and he does have his struggles against left-handed pitching. Had only two homers against lefties all year coming into that game. Brent Suter had only allowed one homer to an opposing left-handed batter all season coming into Friday's game. And none of that mattered to Gunnar Henderson. The game-winning hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth inning to put the Orioles ahead 5-4 to four as they were trailing 4-3 to three at the time and eventually give them the win. The two-run shot off the bat of Henderson was just a line drive into the flag court, 107 off the bat, traveling 374 feet for, again, just his third homer off a left-hander this year. Cool moment at the yard in that one. Second thing you need to know from the Friday win is that Mountcastle and Hayes both also homered in this game for the Orioles, but did it in very different ways. While as Henderson pulled a line shot to give the O's the lead in the eighth, Ryan Mountcastle had a very odd homer. Bottom of the first inning against Rockies starter Kyle Freeland, Mountcastle hits a fly ball to right center field just to the left of the big scoreboard, and it bounds on top of the wall out there, on top of the little area where the grounds crew sits, and then bounces back into play. There was a bunch of confusion. One umpire was signaling the ball was in play. Another umpire was signaling home run. Mountcastle thinks it's in play, races to third. Fielders think it's in play. They try to throw him out at third. Ball gets away, and Mountcastle comes home for what he initially thought was going to be a Little League homer. Well, it turns out the ball did go over the wall, ended up being just a regular home run hit the other way that gave the Orioles a 1-0 lead. Certainly did not get all of it, just got it out in right field for Mountcastle. Hit the ball just 99 miles per hour off the bat and 361 feet. And then Austin Hayes did kind of a similar thing later in the game. Sixth inning, Orioles trailing 4-2. to two. Hayes gets a solo homer of his own off of Freeland. And the same kind of thing. Hit the ball the other way towards that area in right field. And again, just 101 off the bat, just 371 feet. But it got out of here for Hayes' 13th of the year. Made it a 4-3 game and kind of set the O's up for the late comeback. Third thing you need to know from Friday's win is that Cole Irvin wasn't as good as he had been in his last few starts since the Orioles added him to the rotation to go to a six-man rotation, but he was okay enough and kept the O's in this game. Irvin's final line against the Rockies on Friday night, six innings of four-run baseball, allowing six hits. He struck out five with only one walk, and he did allow one homer on 85 pitches through six innings of work. Now, the Rockies only had five hard-hit balls in those six innings. They didn't really square him up throughout the day. He was just a little erratic with his command, and it didn't really lead to a lot of walks. Again, just one walk in six innings. You'll take that every single time. But Brandon Hyde talked about it after the game, how Irvin was just in the middle of the plate too often in this game. Now, he did get 10 whiffs. Now, on 46 swings, this is not a great number, but he was in the middle of the plate a lot. The Rockies were able to get to him a bit. They got themselves a couple of runs coming back. The Orioles scored two in the bottom of the first, and the Rockies just kind of started clawing back against Irvin. One in the third, one in the fourth, and then they got two in the fifth 
on a two-run home run that was hit by Ezekiel Tovar, the Rockies' really solid rookie shortstop to give them a 4-2 to lead. But he did a nice job of kind of settling down, getting through the fifth, got through a scoreless sixth, and handed the ball over to the bullpen. So again, wasn't his best work, but you'll take that from Cole Irvin, especially if you're kind of considering him as your number six starter in your rotation right now. Fourth thing you need to know from the Orioles' 5-4 to win in Game 1 of this series that Shintaro Fujinami came up huge in this game out of the Oriole bullpen. Fujinami entered in the 7th, relieving Irvin with the Orioles trailing 4-3. to And not only did Fujinami give the Orioles a scoreless 7th to keep it a one-run game, Fuji went back out there in the 8th when it was still a 4-3 to game and gave the O's two scoreless innings in this one. Just one hit allowed, two strikeouts, and the big one, no walks. It only took Fujinami 23 pitches to go through two innings of work. That's why Hyde sent him back out there for that second inning. We know he can give you length because, you know, he was a starter in Japan for a while. He was a starter for a while this year with the Athletics before they moved him full-time to the bullpen. So, you know, you know, you can get a little bit of length out of Fujinami if you need to. He had made multiple multi-inning relief appearances with the A's too before the trade, but that is the first time he had done it with the Orioles and he looks pretty good. Now, he only got three whiffs, so it wasn't his absolute best stuff, but he got outs and the Orioles needed outs to keep themselves in that game. And that is exactly what Fuji did. And Fuji ended up with the win because he pitched those two innings, seventh and eighth, and then Gunner hits the homer in the bottom of the eighth to give the Orioles the lead and the swing that would eventually give them the win. But of course, you know, we have to get to it. The fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles series opening win on Friday night over the Rockies is that Felix Bautista left the game with an injury. He was mowing down Rockies hitters, came out in the top of the ninth after the Gunner homer with the Orioles leading five to four. And he was looking like his Felix self. Got jerks and Profar to strike out on a nasty splitter. Very next pitch, Harold Castro, little weak ground out for the second out. He goes one and two to Michael Tolia. He is one strike away from finishing this game. He fires off a fastball at 102 miles per hour that misses up and away for ball two. And immediately, you just see Felix kind of drop the right arm to the side, start shaking the fingers out, and... Initially, I was listening on the radio broadcast, and, and Melly Newman and Scott Garceau were talking about how they thought he kind of rolled his ankle and came down the mound wrong, or maybe it was a similar injury to the knee injury he had late last year that caused him to miss the final couple of weeks of the 2022 season. But no, this was very, very different for Felix Bautista. It wasn't a good sign that not only did you know Brandon Quinones and Brandon Hyde and Brian Ebel come out, but I mean also Jose Hernandez, one of the bench coaches, came out there as well. It was not a good scene the entire infield, and he did not you know try to throw a warm up pitch. That's how you knew it was an arm injury because usually when it's some sort of lower body injury for a pitcher, they try to throw another warm up pitch to see if they can land, to see if they can push off, and then they say I can't do it. When it's an arm injury, you don't want to test it at all. You just want to walk off the mound as quickly as possible. That is basically what happened. For Felix. Now, shout out to Danny Coulomb, who was right off the IL for the Orioles on Friday, goes and warms up. They give him, you know, as much time as possible to warm up, comes in, throws one pitch. It was a devastating breaking ball that Tolia couldn't check his swing on. So Coulomb gets the strikeout, gets his second save of the year, throwing one pitch, and the O's win the game five to four. But it was almost like this stunted celebration by the O's, by Orioles fans, because yes, you just got the swing and the miss. You just won the game to open up a series on a fun night, giveaway night, Friday night in the ballpark. O's are in first place. But one pitch earlier, you had seen your all-star closer, the best reliever in baseball, go out with an injury, and nobody really knew what the case was. And then we got the word from Brandon Hyde after the game that it was arm issues. And then you start to think the worst. And then on Saturday... 
Mike Elias holds a press conference before the Saturday game, and he gives you the news that you were hoping it wasn't. At this point, the Orioles are saying it is some sort of UCL injury for Felix Bautista. Now, the UCL is kind of that main tendon in your elbow that you need to pitch. When guys have UCL tears, that is what directly leads to getting Tommy John surgery. Now, the Orioles did not say anything about Tommy John surgery yet, but 99 times out of 100, it leads to some version of the Tommy John surgery when you have any kind of UCL issue. There have been a few cases where guys have either delayed it or not gotten it. Masahiro Tanaka is one of them. He kind of pitched through a slight UCL tear for a while. Shohei Otani, not this time, not this arm injury, but the first one he had back in 2018 when he first came over to the U.S., he had like a very partial tear, tried to pitch through it, then it upgraded to another tear, and then eventually after treatment, he was getting injections, he was doing stem cell stuff. He eventually just said, it's getting worse and worse, I need to get the Tommy John, and that's what he did. That is one way to go about it. There is a newer surgery, it's this inner brace surgery on guys' elbows that some players have gotten over the last few years, which depending on the severity of the tear is actually a quicker procedure and it's a quicker recovery. Generally, it's only a nine-month recovery to get a pitcher back, whereas Tommy John surgery is at the very least 12 months and usually around 15 months before a guy returns from Tommy John, as we're seeing right now with John Means trying to make it back to the majors after you know going out in late April of last year and is now finally trying to get back. I know he had a small non-elbow setback, but still. And again, the Orioles haven't said anything about surgery. They're unsure. All they did was place him on the 15-day injured list with the UCL injury on Saturday and recalled D.L. Hall. We'll get to that in a minute. We don't know a lot more yet, but based on what I've seen, what you've probably seen from pitchers who get UCL injuries, it does kind of feel like at the end of the day, this is moving towards Tommy John surgery. And you never know. And the Orioles do have some time because of the timing of the injury, right? It comes with about a month left in the regular season. Now, they didn't say definitively that he's done for the year, but the way Michael Elias talked about it and they asked him and he said, well, you can do some research on what UCL injuries do. At the very least, I, I'm here to tell you, yeah, Felix is done for 2023. He's, I would be shocked if he threw another pitch for the Orioles this season. So the question is, how severe is it, and could we see him in 2024? Now, even if he got the Tommy John surgery today, he's out for 2024. Like, you would just have him fully healthy, ready to go, opening day 2025. That's where they're in an interesting spot. Because theoretically, you could get the surgery as late as November and December of this year and still be ready for opening day 2025. So whether you get it now or you get it midway through the offseason... Your return time is the same because you're going to miss all of next year no matter what. And then you have the break in the offseason and it should leave you healthy and ready to go in February or March of 25. Ready for spring training. Ready for opening day. So that does give the O's a few options. And that is why maybe they might not just, you know, come out tomorrow and say, all right, he's getting Tommy John. They might, you know, they're going to do more imaging and more testing and see how severe is the tear. If it's a lighter tear, you can try to just do rest and recovery. If it's a lighter tear, you can try to do that inner brace newer surgery. Rich Hill is a guy who's gotten that type of surgery where, where it's just more like nine months. And then you know, okay, maybe we can wait or maybe we get it now. And hey, you know, if he gets, he figures out he needs the inner brace one, not the big one, he gets it in September, you could have Felix back maybe after the All-Star break in 2024. So there are still possibilities there. But I would advise you prepare yourself 
and I'm preparing myself for Felix Bautista to get the full Tommy John and not be back until 2025. And it is just one of the worst possible breaks for the Orioles right now. I mean, yeah, there's players like Adley and Gunner and Kyle Bradish who would be more important to this team had the Orioles lost him. But this is a guy who's been worth three war this year. He's been the best reliever in baseball. There's not a lot of teams where you feel if you have the lead going into the ninth inning, you've won the game. That is how I feel with Felix Bautista. And I get that the O's have Yenier Cano, and they have other guys who can step into that role. But remember, when you lose your closer, it's not just about, oh, somebody moves into that role who's also really good. You have to backfill the bullpen. And the bullpen immediately gets weaker when you lose the worst, excuse me, when you lose the best reliever in all of baseball in Felix Bautista. Wishing him the best. We'll talk about this a lot more, break it down a lot further on tomorrow's episodes, and make sure to be back for that. But Really put a damper on a win, really put a damper on a series win to just have that be the case on Friday night. And after all that happened and we got the news Saturday, I was really expecting the Orioles to kind of just roll over and lose on Saturday, right? Like that was an emotional day for that clubhouse to lose one of their best players. It would have been very understandable to lose that game. And they were down in that game on Saturday. But they made another comeback and got the series win. And coming up next, I'll tell you how they did it. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Dave. At one time or another, we all need a little financial help. That's why Dave is great. Dave can get you cash when you need a hand between paychecks and can help you build credit by settling extra cash advances on time. Dave is just something that is super useful. I mean, that's kind of the best way to describe it, and it's something that would have been useful when, you know, I've maybe needed a little bit of extra cash. So that's why I would say go and download Dave because finances can be kind of intimidating. Dave makes it simple. Dave is the banking app that's leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. So download Dave today at dave.com MLB. That's dave.com slash MLB. You can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash locked on MLB. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. So the Orioles got the series win over the Rockies this weekend, winning it 5-4 to four on Friday night despite losing Felix Bautista in the ninth inning. And then they turned things around, and despite all that turmoil, won again on Saturday to clinch the series with another 5-4 to four victory over Colorado on what was a big slice of irony, Felix Bautista bobblehead night on Saturday night. But the O's won it 5-4, and I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from that Orioles victory. And the first thing you need to know is Kyle Bradish just kept things rolling. He has just been incredible. Second lowest ERA in the American League, only trailing Garrett Cole with a 3.03 ERA. And he simply just did his thing again on Saturday night. Bradish gets the ball, goes out there. Another quality start. Six innings, two runs, six hits, eight Ks, one walk, no homers, 87 pitches. Did pitch into the seventh, but allowed a leadoff double to open up the seventh inning and then was pulled in favor of Danny Coulomb. But still, he was great in this one. Just four hard hit balls against him. If it 
hadn't been such a close game, you know, at just 87 pitches, Bradish is probably given a chance to finish the seventh inning, but it felt like it was go out there as soon as you let on a base runner, we're going to take you out. And that is what Brandon Hyde did. And it worked out because the bullpen got the job done. But 17 whiffs for Bradish on 46 swings, including 10 whiffs on the slider, which was his number one pitch of the day. 33 of his 87 pitches were sliders. The thing was dominant. Everything he was throwing was dominant. He had a little bit of a tough third inning where he gave up two runs, gave up three straight singles to start the inning, but then got out of a jam to keep it 2 nothing, and then just rolled with three consecutive scoreless innings after that. He's the Orioles' ace right now. I mean, there is no better way to put it. He is the O's' ace at this moment. And if the Orioles were starting a playoff series tonight, you don't even think about it twice. You hand Kyle Bradish the baseball, and that's who goes in game one. That is how good... He has been. Bradish has gone six-plus innings in 10 of his last 11 starts. And the only one he didn't was four and two-thirds where he still went scoreless. That was the only start where he didn't go six or seven innings. He's just been incredible. It's just been fun to watch. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I've been advancing the Kyle Bradish narrative. I'm feeling pretty good about that one right now. Second thing you need to know from the O's Saturday win is that Ryan Mountcastle, after homering on Friday night, had the big go-ahead swing in the game on Saturday. Coming up in the sixth inning when the Orioles were starting to rally just a bit in that game. They had gotten a solo homer in the fifth to get themselves on the board. And then, or excuse me, not a solo homer in the fifth. They had that weird play at home plate in the fifth where there was the blocking home call that allowed the Orioles to score a run on an Austin Hayes steal of second, goes to third, comes home on a Ramon Arias grounder. Well, then in the sixth, the Orioles start to rally. Gunnar Henderson and Anthony Santander with back-to-back singles to lead off the inning against Chris Flex and the Rocky starter, who had been really good through five, but gives up a couple of hits through six, comes out of the game, and the Rockies go to the bullpen again. And we know how bad the Rockies' bullpen had been. They blew three consecutive leads in the Rays series during the week when they were swept in Tampa. They, of course, blew the lead on Friday night, and they go to the right-hander Tommy Doyle, whoever that is, out of the bullpen, what does he do? Well, he blows the lead, too. Mountcastle gets a 1-0 cutter on the inside corner and just turns on it down the left field line, just dropping it inside the line for a fair ball. It wasn't a hard-hit ball. It was only 82 miles per hour off the bat, but he dunked it in there for a two-run double. Henderson and Santander both come in to score to give the Orioles a 3-2 lead. They would manufacture another run in the inning to go up 4-2. And that was just the big swing from Mountcastle. It was a huge spot for him. I mentioned the homer on Friday. He had two hits Friday night. He had two hits in the Saturday game to go along with that big double that gave them the lead. And he even had a hit and a walk on Sunday. Big weekend for Mountcastle, who just continues to swing a red-hot bat. Third thing you need to know from Saturday night's victory for the O's over the Rockies is that Jacob Webb, unfortunately, saw his Orioles scoreless streak come to an end out of the O's bullpen. Webb had entered Saturday's game with eight and two-thirds innings pitched of scoreless baseball since the Orioles claimed him off waivers from the Angels a couple weeks ago. And it started out well for Jacob Webb. He came in in relief of Danny Coulomb in the seventh with two on and two out. Orioles holding on to a 4-2 to lead. Webb comes in, gets an infield pop-up to end the inning, keep it a 4-2 game. Orioles get a run in the bottom of the seventh on a Santander two-out RBI double to make it 5-2. to And Webb goes back out there because there's some more righties coming up, but did not go as Jacob Webb initially planned in the eighth inning. And that is when that scoreless streak finally came to an end. He walks Ryan McMahon, then allows a RBI double to Elias Diaz before he's pulled from the game. Another run, Diaz would eventually score 
and he would be charged with two runs over just a third of an inning with a walk and a hit, no strikeouts. But hey, stuff still looks solid. Wasn't his best outing. I still trust Jacob Webb. And it was a great run with the no runs allowed. But the fourth thing you need to know from the Orioles' 5-4 to win on Saturday is that D.L. Hall was the guy who relieved Webb over the weekend and in that game. And it was a big game for D.L. Hall, who was called up on Saturday to the roster to replace Felix Bautista after he was placed on the 15-day injured list. And after Coulomb had returned on Friday and pitched in a couple of games over the weekend, they got another solid lefty in D.L. Hall back in the bullpen. He had only pitched one game this year for the Orioles, that long relief appearance in Detroit in a doubleheader back in May. Other than that, he had been starting in Norfolk. Then he had sent himself down to Sarasota to do weight training, get his velocity back. Then they called him back up to AAA to work exclusively as a reliever. Well, now he's back in the Orioles' bullpen, and it seems like for good for the first time since last September. And he looked good in that first outing back. Hall comes in with a runner on second, no outs, and the Orioles leading 5-3. to three. He does allow a bunt single to start the inning, but then he gets... Brendan Rodgers to ground into a huge double play. Now, it did score a run to make it 5-4, to four, but it cleared the bases. Hall then gets a fly out as well. He threw just 10 pitches to get three outs in a scoreless inning in his first appearance back out of the Orioles' bullpen. And the velo was way up. He was averaging 98 and touched 99 on the fastball. Six of his 10 pitches were that four-seam fastball. That was fantastic to see from D.L. Hall, who at one point was throwing 93-94 as a starter in AAA. He was 98-99 to out of the bullpen on Saturday night. I trust D.L. Hall in this role. I don't know. He might get some save chances. He might not. Either way, I love that he is back in the Orioles' bullpen. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' win on Saturday that clinched the series is that Yenier Cano was the guy who got the first save chance post-Bautista. It was Bautista's best friend on the team and roommate Cano who was seen holding the Bautista bobblehead out in the bullpen in the first inning of the game. So that was kind of a heartwarming moment. But Cano comes in and they had to check his glove when he came into the game, thought he was using too much rosin on it. They made him change gloves. And it did not matter. Cano, while he didn't get a strikeout, gets a very quick 1-2-3 inning in the ninth on just 10 pitches to lock down the save, his fifth of the year, and give the Orioles a 5-4 win and a series win. Now, I'm unsure if Cano is just going to be the go-to closer every time there's a save chance now without Bautista. Brandon Hyde did say it'll be a closer by committee, but named Cano as one of the guys who's, who will get some chances. And you could see Perez or Coulomb or D.L. Hall or maybe even a, a Jacob Webb maybe get some shots here down the stretch. But I would think the main guy who's going to get the majority of the chances, unless it's a very lefty-heavy part of the order would be in your Cano. He's been an all-star. He's been amazing in August, still is not allowed a run, at least an earned run. And I would at least trust him for now in that role. And he got it done with the Orioles win and the Orioles series win on Saturday. But then the O's did have a chance to sweep a really bad Rockies team on Sunday. Came very close, but just some weird batted ball luck. Did not allow them to do that. We'll tell you how the O's lost Sunday coming up next. But first... This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Sleeper. Do you think that, you know, maybe Anthony Santander, who's been swinging it well, can homer tonight against the White Sox? Well, I sure do. And on Sleeper, you can swing for the fences with up to 100 times payouts. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on their stat categories like homers, Ks, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big. And Sleeper, on the app, they've got dynamic payouts. They come with more stat categories to place contests on. You can get higher payouts than other apps 
with less picks. So a little more money in your pocket and it makes things a lot easier to play daily fantasy sports. So use the promo code locked on and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. So the Orioles were able to win the first two games of the weekend series against the Rockies. Had a chance to get the sweep on Sunday, but just couldn't get it done. As the O's lost to the Rockies 4-3 in the Sunday game. Still got the series win, but could not get the sweep. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the O's Sunday loss here to finish out this episode of the pod. And the first thing you need to know is the Orioles offense was foiled by an old, old friend. It was the left-hander Ty Block who got the start for the Rockies in this one. You may remember Block pitching for the Orioles back in the disastrous season of 2019. He made five starts for the O's that year, had an 11 ERA, and was statistically one of the worst pitchers of the Orioles' rebuild, at least in terms of his stats with the O's. Now, Block had had some solid time with the Giants before he came over to Baltimore, and he's been okay at times since then. But with the Orioles, you know, it was an interesting run where he had those five starts, he was terrible, ended up having an arm injury, Got the surgery, rehabbed it through 2020, came back on rehab assignments in the minors in 2021, and then before he needed to be activated back to the big leagues, the Orioles ended up DFAing him, and, and luckily for Block, he's caught on with some more teams and are now back in the majors in the Rockies rotation this season. But I talked about this a little bit on Friday's episode when I was previewing the series and knew Block was going to start the Sunday game. I had talked with Sam Jelinek, who was the former play-by-play -play radio voice of the Delmarva Shorebirds, about... Block's time rehabbing in Delmarva in 2021 when he was coming back from that injury, that arm injury. And Jelinek just talked again and again about how great Ty Block was for those young pitchers that were in Delmarva in 2021, and how great a leader he was and a mentor and helping them out. He had so many great things to say about Ty Block. So kind of happy for him that he was able to do what he did back in Baltimore. I mean, he just dominated the O's. Yes, he got a little bit of help from Dan Bellino's weird, big, small, sometimes just weird strike zone, but... Black went seven innings of one-run ball. Cedric Mullins, a home run in the fifth, was the only run he allowed. Otherwise, seven strikeouts, one walk, three hits, 86 pitches. He was balling out. And, you know, good for him. Good for Ty Block. But the second thing you need to know from the Orioles' lost Sunday is then Bud Black and the Rockies went back to the bullpen, a bullpen that has just given up lead after lead. And Ty Block, who's... Been around the block, no pun intended. He only threw 86 pitches and was dominating the Orioles through seven innings. You're a terrible Rockies team. It's 86 pitches. I don't see a huge issue with throwing block back out there for the eighth inning, especially against the bottom of the order. Well, he didn't. They went to Jake Bird. And after Bird gets Westberg to pop out, he walks Cedric Mullins on four pitches. Up comes Ryan O'Hearn as a pinch hitter for Jorge Mateo in the nine spot. And on the first pitch, O'Hearn gets a cutter middle in and just blasts off to the flag court. O'Hearn, 100 miles per hour off the bat, 406 feet for the Orioles' first pinch hit home run of the season. A two-run shot off Jake Bird that tied the game at three. And it was just another disastrous Rockies bullpen performance and another big swing for Ryan O'Hearn, who just continues to be an invaluable addition to this Orioles team. That long ball brought O'Hearn up to an 841 OPS on the season, which leads the O's. Just been incredible. But the third thing you need to know from the Orioles' 4-3 loss Sunday is that after the Ryan O'Horn homer, they tied the game. They went to the top of the ninth. Yanir Cano came in, trying to keep it tied, give the O's a chance to walk it off. And the batted ball luck did not go his way. On the first pitch of the inning, Rockies rookie 
Hunter Goodman, who was making his major league debut, hits a ground ball to short, up the middle, kind of a high hopper. Henderson fields it, does a spin, has to make a really good throw quickly to get him, and Henderson just makes a bad throw. I mean, it was a good decision to throw it. He had a chance to get him, but just makes a bad throw. It skips by Ryan O'Hearn, and to make it even worse, it bounces into the Orioles' dugout. So not only is the leadoff man on, he gets to go to second with nobody out. And Cano did all he could to not allow that run to score. Next batter, Michael Tolia, grounds one to second, so the runner moved to third with one out. And then the Rockies go to their all-star, Elias Diaz, as a pinch hitter with a runner on third, one out. I saw a lot of people being, you know, why, what's Brandon Hyde doing? Why is he not walking Diaz to set up the double play? Listen, Harold Castro, who has okay speed and can be tough to hit into a double play, is coming up next. And even if you get Castro out... There is no guarantee you get him to hit a grounder right at one of your fielders. Even Cano, who's a really good ground ball pitcher, there's no guarantee you're getting a ground ball double play. And even if you strike out Castro, which is what Cano eventually did to end the inning, next up is Charlie Blackman, who's been swinging a very hot bat, hitting 287, 835 OPS, was having a fantastic weekend against the Orioles already, had two hits and a walk on Friday, had two hits and a walk on Saturday, already had a hit thus far in the game on Sunday, just been tearing up the Orioles. You do not want to face Blackman in a chance where just a single gives the Rockies the lead. So instead you say, all right, Diaz has been sitting on the bench all day. I know he's one of their better hitters, but you know, he has a 753 OPS. He's not amazing. And then you face a couple of pinch hitters and Castro and Diaz at the bottom of the order instead of their best hitter in Blackman. Unfortunately, Cano makes such a good pitch on the first pitch to Diaz on the sinker that Diaz just chops it directly into the ground. And the high hopper, even with the infield in and Ramon Arias playing in at third base, Goodman had good speed at third, and that ball chopped so high up in the air, there was just no chance to get the out at home. Arias looked home, realized he couldn't, and just threw to first for the second out. And Cano then did strike out Castro and, and gets out of the inning with the one run unearned. But just bad, bad ball luck. I mean, you look at that inning, it was like, it took him like, what, six, seven pitches for... To, and you're, you're down again after that big two-run homer by O'Hearn, and you got all the momentum, and just that one error from Henderson, and then the ball never leaves the infield, and it's kind of one of those innings, one of those games where you just you throw your hands up, and you say, that's baseball. That's batted ball luck. It gets you sometimes. It is what it is. Orioles go down one, two, three in the bottom of the ninth, and they lose the game. It is what it is. But the fourth thing you need to know from the Orioles' loss on Sunday is that Jack Flaherty returned to the Orioles' rotation, and wouldn't say he was great, but he was solid for the Orioles in that Sunday start. Now, Flaherty, who was initially supposed to start all the way back on Wednesday against the Blue Jays, ended up getting scratched from that start from what the Orioles called general soreness. Kept pushing him back, kept pushing him back, and finally the O's named him the starter for Sunday. And again, he was solid. Five and two-thirds innings, three runs on seven hits with three strikeouts, a walk, and a homer allowed on 84 pitches for Jack Flaherty. Now, the Rockies hit him hard a good amount of times in this game. Ten hard hit balls in five and two-thirds innings is not amazing for you, and he was probably lucky to get out of there with just three runs allowed. And you know, 12 whiffs was okay. His curveball was missing bats at times, as was the fastball. But otherwise, you know, it, it wasn't his best outing. But when you're coming off of three innings, seven runs in San Diego, and then you don't pitch for a week and a half because of, I mean, we're not really sure why at this point. It was good to see him do what he did, keep the O's in the game on Sunday. Hopefully he can build off that, kind of get back to a pitcher he's been in the past. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Euros 4-3 loss on Sunday is that I was impressed by Austin Voth. 
you know, he was activated off the 60-day injured list earlier this week. A lot of people were questioning, why is Voth getting another chance? Well, he'd been pitching with that elbow issue most of the year through his struggles. And, you know, he was so good with the Orioles down the stretch last year after they claimed him from the Nats. You know, he doesn't have any options, so you kind of want to give him one more chance. And he'd been sitting in the bullpen as the long guy, but the Orioles found a way to get him into Sunday's game. And he was good in relief, you know, relieving Jack Flaherty in that sixth inning, got out of it. Eventually goes two scoreless innings, one hit, no walks, one strikeout, just 18 pitches thrown by Austin Voth. Yeah, it wasn't like crazy dominant, but I liked what I saw from, from Austin Voth. You know, he came in there, he got seven whiffs on 15 swings, four of them on the fastball, a couple on the cutter. He was throwing the sweeper and the curveball and... You know, the fastball velo was was looking solid. He was 93 to 95. I liked what I saw. And, and I don't know how long Voth is for this bullpen because they have some other potentially better options coming up. But Voth for now, I think he's going to continue to get this chance. And if he's getting guys out, that's going to only help the O's at this point. But unfortunately, couldn't make that second comeback with the Orioles. And they lose 4-3 to three on Sunday. Not able to get the sweep, but they do win the series. But next up for the O's. Got another bad team coming into Baltimore. First, they got the Blue Jays that might be a good team, but not against the O's. Then they got the Rockies, a really bad team. And then they get the White Sox. This is really probably the easiest homestand, easiest extended homestand at least, of the season for the O's. This White Sox team, similar to the Rockies, they're just horrendous. 52-79 and 79 on the year, and game one is tonight. 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start for the O's and the Sox. Orioles went into Chicago and took three of four from the White Sox all the way back in April, the first time that they played. White Sox team is very different now after selling off the deadline and just tanking. Michael Kopech, the 27-year-old righty, will get the ball for Chicago tonight. He has a 4.95 ERA in 24 starts this season. He hasn't really been going deep into games, though, lately. His last start was four scoreless innings against Seattle. The start before that was four innings and nine runs against the Colorado Rockies. You're always worried that he's injured. He doesn't pitch deep into the game. Just a weird, weird season again, really, for Michael Kopech. He did pitch against the O's back on April 15th. He was okay. Five innings, three runs, six hits, four Ks, but also four walks and two homers allowed. So the Orioles will go up against him tonight in game one. And it'll be Grayson Rodriguez getting the baseball again for the O's. A 5-3-8 ERA in 17 starts for Rodriguez. Last time out for Grayson. Again, he was... Continuing to pitch well since he has come back from the minors. Six innings of three-run ball the last time we saw him. That was against the Toronto Blue Jays. And Grayson Rodriguez actually did pitch against the White Sox earlier this season. That was all the way back on April 16th, his third big league start. He gave up four runs in the first. It didn't look good. But then he got through five innings, four runs, six hits, eight Ks, two walks, and two homers. We'll see if he can keep going the positive part of that start when he faces Chicago again tonight. And you can listen to every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast of Game 1 between the O's and the Sox on the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. And then I'll be back tomorrow to recap Game 1 of the series between the Orioles and the White Sox and break down even further this Felix Bautista injury, what it means for him, the O's, and how they're going to handle this bullpen, and especially the ninth inning, as they are right in the middle of a division race heading into September. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.